0: Recently, I came across a very interesting book called Shakedown Socialism. Now, it's a bit of a controversial um, title. It's a controversial topic. We're talking political ideology. But it was written by an author on the premise that he has lived in a system that many protesters in North America these days seem to be calling for, and he definitely does not agree with them. His name is Oleg Atbashian. He is from Ukraine, and he is now an American citizen. Oleg joins me now from his home in Florida. Thanks so much for coming on, Oleg.
1: You're welcome, Polina, and uh, thanks for inviting me.
0: Now, you're originally from Ukraine. Whereabouts? I was
1: born and raised in the city of Cherkasy, which is uh, right in the very center of Ukraine, uh, on the river deeper. It's uh, about 100 miles down from Kiev. It's a pretty good place to grow up. I grew up speaking Russian and Ukrainian together because like, half of the people spoke Russian, half Ukrainian. There was a uh, little conflict in that area. Although right now, of course, switching to the Ukrainian language, uh, completely, there is probably one Russian language school left in the whole area. Uh, but it wasn't fair to Ukrainians before, uh, when uh, the policy of Russification was going on. So I guess a little pushback in the other direction won't hurt. Of course, or, uh, you know any radical changes, you know may may bring unpredictable results.
0: So you moved to the States when?
1: Um, in 1994, and. I visited the United States first in uh, 1990, and some people suggested that I should uh, stay, but I I was telling them that Ukraine is going to be independent soon, and it will be a great country to live in. It'll just join the European community and be like any other uh, European country. The life will be good. And then Ukraine did get independence, but instead of uh, all the economic prosperity that I expected. Instead, what happened is the wholesale theft of everything that the country had by the ruling elites and the impoverishment and unemployment and the economic crisis and hyperinflation. And that's when I decided to leave because as much as I loved that country, I just had only one life to live. So I moved to the United States. And I, I also wanted to learn more about a way of life where there is liberty and uh, opportunity and less government regulation and see how that works. I didn't expect to find so many people who would be sympathetic with the social system. I I was surprised at first and I thought it was just a a funny quirk and a a little bit laughable but uh, of a little consequence. But right now, as we can see, it's no longer laughable. We, we look at the Occupy Wall Street protests, and it's a it's pretty, it's pretty dangerous situation. And unfortunately, people do not realize what socialism really means and how it not only destroys uh, the economy and uh, even the environment, but it also destroys the human nature itself. It, uh, it is detrimental to human dignity and to relationships between people. And that is why I, I started writing.
0: Now, you equate socialism with communism?
1: Uh, Not exactly, because socialism, according to classical Marxism, is only a stage through which the society must go in order to achieve communism. In uh, Karl Marx's uh, theory, people who uh, grew up in uh, the capitalist system would not be able to live in a communist society because they wouldn't be ready for it their minds would not be prepared, they would not be those uh, ultimate altruists. So socialism was supposed to be the transitional period during which uh, the new man would uh, grow up who would uh, be able to live in a communist society. Uh, Of course that new man never appeared uh, and the seventy years of this experiment in the USSR has shown that it's just an impossible thing and human nature cannot be changed. Now. There are other versions of socialism, of course, people call Europe a socialist system, uh, but of course it's not uh, at all Marxist. Then we had uh, national socialism in Germany. Fascism in Italy was also a variety of socialism, so there are all different kinds of it, and also like a mix between socialism and capitalism. Mm-hmm that uh, exists right now in a lot of uh, Western countries can also be, in a way, called socialism.
0: And have you explained and described these different types of of socialism in your book?
1: Not in my book. Uh, That is something I'm talking about during the book presentations uh, on my book tours. But I'm thinking about writing a book about that. That should probably be my next project.
0: Uh Uh-huh. So, um, would you consider that before 1990 or 91, when Ukraine became independent, was it socialism or communism in the Soviet Union?
1: Oh, no. Uh, Communism has never been built, ever. Again, according to Marxist theory, it's a society of the future, where there would be no money, no government, no family, and something that... Cannot exist when the rest of the world uh, lives according to the old rules of capitalism. So, in order for communism to exist, the entire world needs to have a, a communist revolution, or at least all the countries all over the world must be socialist, so that uh, communism could uh, start growing. The, the state is supposed to gradually wither away, and so private property and and the family. So there, there is this confusion, basically, when they talk about communism right now. It's the idea, it's the ideology, the final goal. Uh, of uh, like a communist party, for instance, but uh, in in strict sense, uh, communism has never been built and I don't think it can even exist. It's contradictory to human nature.
0: So what do you say to people who say that socialism didn't really get a fair shake, that there were, you know, monsters like Stalin and Pol Pot who who messed it up, and if Mm -hmm. it weren't for them, then, you know, socialism really would work. There are people that believe that and you're saying that that's wrong.
1: Right. Um, Communism, I mean, China and the USSR were communist countries only in the sense that they were run by a communist party. It was a one-party system, a dictatorship, whose goal was to build communism. So they called themselves, uh, those were communist parties, but officially the system under which they lived was called socialism. That idea is more like an optical illusion. It's very alluring to a lot of people. They think it's such a great society to live in, and it's so great that you can sacrifice your property or somebody else's property, or even a life of somebody else's life. Or a group of people to it, and it's still a still small price to pay to achieve that great utopian ideal. And then the price becomes bigger and bigger, and and eventually it becomes a whole class of people, and then sometimes even an entire ethnic group that needs to be sacrificed for this great goal.
0: That sequence of events describes what happened with the Holodomor in 1932.
1: Yes, yes. They sacrificed the entire ethnic group, the Ukrainians, to this uh, ideological uh, necessity to have industrialization and collectivization. And for that great goal, they had to take away things from the rich farmers, whom they called the kulaks, or in Ukrainian it was the kur- kurkul. But in the West it's known as the kulaks. So they had to eliminate the kulaks as a class. And the rich farmers were usually those who were more productive, more knowledgeable, more industrious, who knew how to do business, basically good business people. And on the one hand, they needed to create the collectivization and suppress the opposition because, of course, the, right, the farmers wouldn't want to just give up their property and their perspectives and their, you know, their inheritance of their children. So they fought, and uh, the, the government took away... All their property and ship them off to Siberia, or just shot them if they were trying to hide food. And then the entire region starved. Every time there is an effort to redistribute wealth, there will be the opposition. So that there, that opposition needs to be suppressed, and somehow that part is never mentioned in all those uh, rosy, beautiful schemes that the proponents of economic equality and socialism describe to us. They never mention that when people do not want to share their property with others, those people need to be eliminated or imprisoned or something else. But uh, that's an inevitable result. So on the one hand, the, that famine in Ukraine was organized because uh, people were sacrificed to this idea of collectivization of uh, farm labor. Um, One of the other reasons was that the government needed the money for its uh, industrialization campaign that was happening uh, concurrently. And so it sold all the food from Ukraine abroad. And with that money, they bought equipment to build factories. It was mostly uh, bought from Germany. So the entire Nazi Germany was working over time to build these turnkey factories for the Soviet Union. And when uh, somebody tells me that socialism is efficient because look how fast Stalin was able to industrialize uh, the country and uh, supposedly backward country, uh, the former USSR, and how uh, remember uh, the fact that uh, Germany was fulfilling orders from the USSR and those were pretty big orders. And uh, the USSR itself was getting all those uh, factories for industrialization with the money that they stole from the farmers in Ukraine and the Volga region uh, and uh, made people starve to death. So again, they sacrificed uh, groups of people for the common good. They thought it was still a small price to pay for the great idea.
0: So you must have been surprised then when you uh, came to the States in 1994, and you Mm -hmm. found it wasn't really a whole lot different from what you left behind.
1: Oh, yeah, it was. I, I felt like I, I, uh, I had taken a time machine trip from the past into the future because I saw such a great uh, country where it's like was being in a futuristic movie. But now, the more this country moves is moving towards socialism, the more I'm getting a feeling that uh, I had actually taken a trip on the time machine from the future into the past because I know what lies ahead. I know where this country is heading. I've been to that last final stop. And I'm telling, don't go there. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to warn my American comrades about what lies ahead. It's not actually progress, it's a regress to sort of like a quasi-feudal society where the powerful elites rule over a grateful serfs and provide all the services and protect the peasants and the peasants are all equal and work for the common good. And that, that is the system that socialism creates, and that's what the progressives are heading towards. Maybe they don't imagine it like this. They, they're not cynical enough to do it. Well, some are. I'm sure some of them are pretty crafty and uh, know exactly what they're doing, but a lot of them are just misguided people who are deceived by these optical illusions of uh, economic equality. You know, I knew a lot of jokes, political jokes in the USSR, and I think that humor helped in a big part to bring down that Soviet system. Because you can't argue with a joke, you can't argue with with a satirist who shows how absurd that system, that life is under that system. And so a lot of people stopped believing in communism uh, a long time before the Soviet Union collapsed. That's why it uh, was relatively painless, and uh, there were no riots or no physical resistance to the collapse of the Union because just nobody believed in that that anymore. One of my favorite political jokes was called The Six Contradictions of Socialism in the USSR. Number one, there is no unemployment, and yet no one is working. No one is working, and yet the production quotas are fulfilled. The production quotas are fulfilled, and yet the stores are empty. The stores are empty, and yet everybody has everything at home. Everybody has everything at home, and yet everybody's unhappy. Everybody's unhappy, and yet the voting is always unanimous.
0: Wow. Wow. So, Do you think that, that your message is going to resonate with the people that you feel need to hear it?
1: Oh, uh, it does resonate a great number of people in America now, more than ever who are interested in politics, who try to understand for themselves what is really going on, and uh, they learn uh, history, they learn, uh, it, find out things about economy, and they try to decide what's best. And my book is popular among these people, so the sales are pretty good, and I'm receiving emails, people are thanking me, saying that whatever I write has more impact on them than I will ever know. Even my son's friend called him from Arizona, like a girl who went to school with him, called him and asks him if uh, the, the author of this book, Oleg Adbashian, is, is his father. He says, yeah, it's my dad. Did he <laughs> write a book? Yes. Oh, this is such a great book. It, it, it opened my eyes. So to hear it from my son's friend is really heartwarming. That is not the only person.
0: Good for you. Well, it is encouraging that your message is resonating with the reading public and hopefully that, it won't have to go that way, and there won't actually be a holodomor de ever again.
1: I hope so, yeah. Yeah. You know, going back to something you mentioned earlier about people saying that uh, socialism never got a fair shake anywhere, um, they always think there's something wrong with the other people who did it all wrong, but they would do it right. They are the smartest ones because they, they think they're so smart, they would be able to do it correctly. So... If uh, it didn't succeed in the USSR, there had to be something wrong with the Russians because the Russians are stupid or they are savages, they're brutal people, or the Ukrainians were also not good enough for socialism, and then uh, the Chinese, uh, probably there was something wrong with the Chinese, then the Pol Pot and the Cambodia, you know, Cambodia, they were just also savages. Um, so there is always something wrong with somebody else, but we will do it right.
0: Do you really think there is a danger of, of socialism coming to America, the kind that, that, you, that you left?
1: No, the classical Marxist theory has been modified, and the kind of change that they're making now in the Western societies is not exactly the kind of socialism that I experienced, but uh, it's still, you know, the basic underlying ideas are the same, the uh, idea of economic equality. And which is absurd in itself. This is something that I write about in my book, that economic equality is impossible. Equality that we really need is the equality of opportunity, equality before the law. And all citizens must have equal rights. That's the equality we really need. Uh, economic equality is uh, is an absurdity. It's your economic, economic uh, situation. is based on your... Uh, the life's work, of course, in some ways, on your luck, on your talents, on your uh, industriousness, on your choices in life. Yeah. And uh, that if, you, if you've taken poor choices, don't blame others and don't expect others to support you, because then uh, there will be no incentive not to make poor choices. So anyway, um, economic equality also reduces the human existence to all immaterial factors, and that and the material things are important as long as you can have a roof over your head and uh, you don't freeze in the winter and you have food so you don't starve but anything beyond that is optional
0: yeah
1: (laughs) it's up to you to to get yeah i wish ukraine could change its ways and uh, become a free capitalist society but a generation or two it must go up before that happens. Most people want that change, but the way the things are going, and socialism still has its appeal among some people, they may just not realize that uh, they're just going in circles uh, without uh, any escape.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the program, Oleg, and telling us about your book and your experiences in Ukraine. Thanks again for inviting me,
1: and you can find my book on Amazon if you look up Shakedown Socialism. It's also a Kindle, an electronic format, and you can also order it from me autographed from my website, shakedownsocialism.com, and uh, you can also read about me and my book and my other work and read my articles also at shakedownsocialism.com.
0: Okay, well, thank you again, and uh, all the best in on your second book. Thank you. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link
1: in the show description to support now.